Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Book of Revelation, session 23, the hymns of Revelation. Now, if this is not a subject that you've looked at ever, I just want to encourage you, this is a much bigger subject than you think it is. Now, if it's a subject that you're already familiar with, then maybe it's as big of a subject as you think it is. Uh, but I, I would just bet that for most of you, you will be shocked to find out how much information is uh, in the book of Revelation on this subject. And I just happen to think that if the revelation of Jesus Christ, that's the title of the book of Revelation, I, I happen to believe if it's called the revelation of Jesus, and if it's about his second coming, if it's about the end of the age and the way that things are going to unfold in the hour before he appears, and this is a massive subject or a massive theme in that book, I just have to guess it's probably important. I just have to guess that it's maybe worth us spending time on. And I, I want to tell you, um, regrettably, because of the way that we're doing this series, we're only going to spend tonight one session looking directly at the hymns of Revelation. Now the good news is, because the hymns of Revelation are scattered all throughout the book of Revelation... We're going to look at those passages at various times as they're related to other themes and other ideas. But as far as like a study on the hymns of Revelation, tonight is really the only one. And honestly, this could be like 10 or 20 sessions. This is a really big subject. I want to say that again. This is a far bigger subject in the book of Revelation than you're probably thinking. Uh, It's got a significant amount of content. And so tonight what we're going to do, it's kind of... I don't know, as a teacher, I'm kind of excited and bummed all at the same time because while we get to advertise this major theme, we don't get to go that deep on it. But what I did do was provide you, for any of you Bible nerds out there that want to spend some time going deep, you have got ample amount of information, cross-references here in the book, or in the, uh, this uh, handout that we've got here. You've got plenty of material for you to go deeper on your own if you want to. And maybe that's the kind of thing that you, you know, keep it and it's a year from now and you go deeper. But my point is that this, uh, this, this handout that you've got should provide the roadmap for you to go a good bit deeper than we're going to have time to go tonight because it's such a massive subject. It, 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 is, it pains me how massive of a subject this is that we're only able to give one session of attention directly to it. Uh, but it just, it, it really wouldn't fit the way we're doing the rest of the book of Revelation to spend more time on it directly. So, with that said, hopefully you're now uh, a little bit frazzled and like, ah, I don't know, I don't, maybe I'll just leave now that we don't have to, have to hear any more about how awesome it is, and, and then I don't have to go any deeper. Or maybe you're frazzled enough to go, you know what, I'm going to listen well enough tonight that I can go a little bit deeper on my own. So, uh, there may be no greater single source outside the book of Psalms that has impacted modern worship as much as the hymns of Revelation. I'll say it again. There, there probably is not. I can't think of what it would be. Outside of the book of Psalms that has impacted modern worship lyrics, modern worship focus 
as far as a source, a, a, you know, a source of reference, more than the book of Revelation, with the exception of the book of Psalms. So that's kind of an interesting thought process, that so much of our modern worship actually has roots in the book of Revelation. Also, these hymns are found all throughout the book of Revelation, so it's not just like they're in you know, the worship chapter. There is not really such a thing in the book of Revelation. They're all throughout. And these songs, many of them, allow us a unique window. Because when we think about the book of Revelation, many times we're thinking about it as kind of the heavenly book, the heavenly encounter. What about a bunch of songs sung in heaven about heaven? Yeah, that's a pretty good deal. That's what a lot of these are, most of them, in, in the broadest of sense. And they declare to us who God is using some of the clearest language that we have available in the New Testament. I mean, this is a pretty good sales pitch. I think I might want to do a study on the book of Revelation, the hymns in there. These songs tell us about our future. Songs. Songs that tell us about our future. They're songs that tell us about our king. Songs that tell us about the plans of our king. And they give us unique insight into the perspective of those that dwell in heaven. Because they're the ones singing many of the times. And so you see, what are they thinking? What are they seeing? What are they feeling? This is cool. This is really, what a cool subject, especially for a house of prayer, to talk about the angels in heaven, in heaven, seeing God in heaven, singing to God in heaven. And then the saints in heaven, singing to God in heaven. This is, this is what we're talking about. That's what we mean when we say the hymns of Revelation. Now, how many hymns are there in the book of Revelation? Well, I'll just tell you, if you go online and try to figure out the answer to that question, you're going to find as many answers as you find websites. Uh, so there's, no, uh, there's nobody who's the authority on hymns of Revelation that can say, there's only seven. No, there's 92. I mean, there's like, there's nobody out there that can say how many there are because there's a bit, it's a bit difficult to know when does this one stop and the next one start or is that just the next, you know, set of verses in that song but sung by a different, it's a little, it's a little bit uh, nebulous. It's, it's not so particularly tactile that you can just nail it down and nobody argue about it. There's a lot of, of, uh, uh, thoughts on how many hymns there are in the book of Revelation. Now, I want to tell you what I did intentionally so that because this is not a subject I'm an expert on, and probably you're not either, what I did intentionally was I took the most liberal approach possible as opposed to the most narrow approach possible. So what I mean by that is there are some out there that say there are seven. There are seven hymns in the book of Revelation, and here's where they are, and here's where they start, and here's where they stop. I went the opposite direction. I went, how many individual themed songs can I identify? And if this guy says, no, that's really just part of this other song, but I had reasons, for whatever reason, I had reasons to think it was two songs, I called it two. And you can split them up however you want. I, I'm not saying the number I came up with is the right number. I'm just saying it's the number I came up with, and it's a lot. And so my, uh, my hope here was to include everything in the book of Revelation that could possibly count as a hymn and to individualize those, to give a little bit of uh, categorizing 
to, to title them, to give a little bit of uh, direction on it, and just to kind of like, I don't know, stoke, stoke you a little bit, stoke the fire just a little to get you to then go do some discovery on your own. And so that's really what we're going to do tonight. The, the premise here is really to present the information and to get you going, wow, that's, there's kind of a lot about this, and that's cool. What am I going to do with that besides say that's cool? And so that's kind of my hope here. <laughs> my qualifications for inclusion, if you're in the notes here, I'm on page one, part B. What did I do? How did I come up with, if I'm going to call something a, a hymn or revelation, what process did I use to qualify that? Well, first, the, uh, the first thing I found when I started to study this, and I, I began studying this, I don't know, maybe six, seven years ago, something like that. When I first started studying the hymns of Revelation, I, I went online to just kind of see what's out there to kind of get me a starting point. And again, that's where I found out there, was, there were no two or three people in agreement. It was, these are the hymns, no, these are the hymns, this is what it means. It's, there was just a lot of ambiguity, and I kind of backtracked out of Google quickly and went, you know, I'm just going to sit here with the Holy Spirit and work this out because there's a lot of confusion out there. I'll just spend some time cross-referencing Bible verses. I know how to do that. And so, uh, so that's kind of what I came up with. Well, what I was looking for was I found that there were some common elements that could be used, uh, that were used to clearly identify this group and this group and this group were all calling at least these number of, of hymns their own individual hymn. And I was trying to look at what were some of the logic points? What, where were they coming from? Why? And then I just tried to use some of that to, to help me figure out which ones that I think were hymns. So again, if you can tell... I'm not trying to tell you tonight, these are the hymns, these are the names, you must believe it. I'm just trying to present an idea that's probably one you've not given a lot of thought to, that there's a lot of information about and a lot of study to be studied if you want to study. So here's what I came up with. First, it's got to be in the book of Revelation. How about that? That's a good starting point. So no hymns of Revelation in, you know, 1 Timothy. All right, so first is it's actually in Revelation. Second is... The song must either declare uh, aspects of who God is or about his plans. So it's got to be a song, and it's got to be a song declaring aspects of who God is or, or his plan, okay? So it's got to be a song. Next, it's an interaction with the courts of heaven. That's just a pretty interesting criteria point for a song. How many of your songs have direct interaction with the courts of heaven. I mean, in a, in a way where it's like the only time you ever sing it is when you're standing in heaven. I mean, that's, that's pretty crazy. These songs were being sung in the courts of heaven. All right, the next one is they were written in poetic format. And what I mean by that is, with rare exception, I believe I only included one out of this whole list. It's in Revelation 14, 1 through 3 is the only exception to this. With, with that one exception, all of the texts that I qualify in the study as a hymn were set apart in the original text in a way that was obvious that the, the intention was to draw a distinction between it and the rest of that page, the rest of that passage, the rest of what was being formatted on the page. So it, there was an intention, uh, a literary intentionality to to draw a distinction between these verses, these phrases, 
And the phrases before it and the phrases after it. There was a, an intentionality to set it apart. And those were kind of my basic premises of what, what and why I would qualify as I am. And again, if you look through the list and you, you see them all and you're like, that one's not one, cool. I, call it something else then. I, I was just trying to give us a starting point because probably more than likely you've never done a study on the hymns of Revelation. So if mine's a bad study, it's probably still the only one you've ever done. And so to make it better, go take, take the notes and turn it into five pages of notes or, or uh, five different sessions of notes and make it better and reteach it like it was your idea. It's great. Wasn't my idea. I just saw it in the Bible. All right. So much unfamiliar territory. By my count, again, whether that's the right number or not, there's 32 hymns. 32? Dang. 32 hymns in Revelation. That's a lot of songs. But I want to tell you, more than it just being even a lot of songs, which that's a lot of songs. 32? More than it just being a lot of songs, it's a lot of Bible verses. It's a lot of verses from the book of Revelation. Lots of verses. I mean, more than a couple hundred verses. Huh? <laughs> so what we got to take away there is a good chunk of the book of Revelation is song. That's weird. <laughs> I mean, what other book in the New Testament is a good chunk of it? Song. I don't mean you could turn it into a song. I mean it was sung. That's just a very interesting attribute. And there it is. It's a ton. In fact, I, I meant to count the verses just so I could nerd out and have the verse, the number. I don't know the number. So if somebody else nerd out, count the, the number of, uh, of, of verses that are in these 32 Psalms and then tell me secretly and, and then I'll know. Um, this subject is too big to tackle in one session. And I, I just kind of want to like sell the fact that I'm cheating you tonight because there is no second session of the hymns of Revelation here. I will tell you this. This is maybe a little helpful. Online, we have a three-part series on the hymns of Revelation. And so there's a lot more information there than today. Uh, so you might, if this is a subject that interests you, um, but even three sessions doesn't really give the measure of clarity that this subject deserves. This is a massive subject in, uh, in the book of Revelation. And so I'm just kind of pre-apologizing to you that we're not going to be able to get the detail tonight that would be awesome, but it will start a conversation. And my hope is that it's a conversation that you will now become aware that this is a reality and even be provoked to try to figure this out a little bit more. So only a scholastic overview really is what we're going to do tonight. Now, I'll tell you this, this was another challenge I ran into. For the majority of these 32 song, uh, hymns, if there really are 32, which that's what I'm going with. For the majority of these 32 hymns, there's no title. So there's no like Bible title, it, you know, it's something written in the scripture. There's no commonly agreed upon title online because, man, that's just a nightmare. We don't know, those guys are all in disagreement with each other. I was like, I just feel too much spirited debate on this. I just want to read the Bible and like love Jesus. And so I got out of that quickly, but there wasn't any, like, list of names, so I made names up. And maybe my names are wrong. I just needed names to be able to refer to these 32 different passages because they were 32 different passages, and I didn't want to just keep calling them passage 1, 2, and 3. Like, I just, I needed titles. Now, some of them had titles, but most of them didn't. And so 
I don't want to come across in any sort of dogmatic way that it's like the titles written in here are the real ones. The titles written in here were like Brad's fumblings, you know, of mind and, and heart. Just doing my best to try to name appropriately as best I could what was being communicated in that song, in that song, in that hymn. Like trying to, to write down a title. And so these aren't authoritative. They're just my ideas. And again, you might even decide that these two hymns that I identified as two really need to be the same one and need a different title entirely. That's fine. All right. I think we have this much information because it matters. I think it would be an excellent use of your time to take one of these hymns per sacred trust two-hour block for the next however many weeks and just meditate on it. Just take that one hymn. You know, there's 32 of them, so you got a lot of weeks ahead of you. Take that one hymn. And just break it down. Journal on it a little. Pray through it. Pace. Lord, what do you mean by this? What are you, what are you saying? What are you communicating? I think that that would be very, very fruitful. Like, I, similarly, with the Psalms. It just so happens that the Psalms are 150 Psalms, and I don't know how many pages, and that these 32 Psalms, if you will, these 32 hymns, are less pages and less, uh, it take up less space. And so it's a little bit easier undertaking, Okay. Uh, so if you've ever got it in your heart, I want to go through the book of Psalms really, really slow. Maybe let me suggest you start with the book of Revelation and the hymns in Revelation because I think that you will find a very similar fruitfulness and uh, stirring of your spirit um, while the undertaking not being quite as ambitious as the book of Psalms. But again, no other place in the Bible is there this much song language. No place else. In any book, this is a pretty intense subject from heaven that God would allow us in the end time book this much song language. Like that in itself is a, a good long conversation for you to have with Jesus. What does that mean? Why? What, why is the end time book the singing book? <laughs> why, why so many songs? So many songs. All right, now, you know, I did my best to categorize these songs, Okay. And so I've got them listed out here categorizing heaven's songs. This is uh, Roman numeral 2, bottom of page 2, really top of page 3. So what I did was, just so we could study these uh, songs a little bit better, a little bit easier, is I put them into categories. And again, these categories might be made, I just made them up. I mean, it's not like there was an online course on how to study the hymns of Revelation. I mean, maybe there is, but I didn't find it. Uh, so I just did my best to like, well, read all 32 and figure out some of the common themes and, and then start to categorize them in ways that made sense to me at least and go, okay, well, let me look at these five or six because they all have this major kind of overarching theme and then let me look at these 10 because they all connect. And, and so that's what I did. So here they are. And uh, I'll just tell you in this section part two here roman numeral two <clears throat> let me just tell you that uh what what we have here is um the the type of hymn that it is so hymns of praise or antiphonal responses songs of declaration or hymns of judgment those were the the five categories that i came up with and again i just made up those titles each one of these has a list of the, the hymns that are in that particular category. And again, these are names that I made up. I mean, 
I think they're, they're good starting points. I think that they're pretty accurate. But they're not like official hymns titles out there somewhere. So this isn't a, a wildly, uh, widely studied subject. So I, I, I'm not trying to make you call these these. I just needed something to talk about. I needed a way to, to reference them. So each one of these categories, I gave you one example, him, and then the list with the Bible references. So you're kind of tracking with what that is. Again, this is just for your future study because we're only going to look at the one him per category. And there's 32. So we're going to look at five of 32. Okay? I mean, this is like just a very basic intro. And of course, I picked the short ones uh, because I was trying to get all this done in 35 minutes. So... So there's a lot of content here that we're not covering, but I hopefully gave you, you know, the railroad tracks to get you there if you want to go do it on your own. So hymns of praise. These are hymns that are songs praising God. I mean, that's pretty simple, right? And these are distinct from the other four categories. I'll explain what that looks like in a minute. They're worship songs. They praise God for who he is, and they focus on his nature as the most, uh, you know, central point of the song. So here's one, Revelation 4.8. This is probably the one you know, okay? Which was, it was so fun because I was finishing up my notes earlier and right as I started looking at Revelation 4.8 and I was putting it in here, somebody on the stage started singing, holy, holy, holy. It was just it was beautiful. It's like, just great. So I love it when the Lord gives those little kisses, which happen a lot when you're in this prayer room a lot. So there's an advertisement. If you want to hear from God, spend lots of hours every week in this prayer room. I promise you, you'll hear God. I just, it happens all the time in here. <clears throat> so here's Revelation 4 8. <clears throat> holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. I'm not going to break all that down. I'm just going to say this. <clears throat> this is a hymn of praise because it's identifying attributes of God's nature and it's praising Him for them. It's, it's recognizing <clears throat> either who He is or what He's about and it's, it's worshiping Him for. The, uh, the aspect of his nature that it's, you know, focused in on. So in this one, that he's holy. And then right after that, that he was and that he is and that he is to come. Those are attributes. Those are aspects of, of who he is. And so that's what I mean when I say a hymn of praise. All right? And there's six of them. Well, now down to the next one. Antiphonal responses. So this one, there's ten of them. And this is one where there are many hymns that are simply a response to other songs and declarations in the text. Now, again, this is one of those points of differentiation where one, you know, guy that's qualifying the different hymns, he might say, well, if it's a hymn of response, it's still part of the previous song. Okay, I mean, that's fine. But in my opinion, it's bringing in a whole new um, singer or singer group. It's bringing in a whole new theme Many new themes are developed in, in uh, these uh, responsive, uh, these antiphonal uh, responses. And so I wanted them to be separate because I just wanted to be able to look at them different. So here's one. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by, you, uh, and by your will they were created and have their being. Now, you can notice there, that's still giving praise to God. But what I did was I was differentiating between ones that were just giving praise to God and ones that were giving praise to God as an antiphonal response to something that just happened. 
So I'm categorizing these as something that something happens and then angels or elders or living creatures or somebody looks at the thing that just happened and now they go, we got to respond to that thing. And as they respond, they're, they're now singing about that thing that they just saw or heard or something. And so to me, that's a little bit different. And to you, you might go, that's the same. I don't care. Look, I just did it my way. Do it your way. Take these notes and make them better. <clears throat> Songs of declaration. Okay. Now, this category focuses on aspects of proclaiming things. These are songs in the book of Revelation that <clears throat> mostly declare aspects about who God is. Sometimes it's about his nature or sometimes it's about his plan. Now, the difference here is these are songs. They are songs. They are being sung. But they're not so much focused on worship they're more focused on declaration. It's songs of declaration about what God's doing, what he has done, what he's going to do. So here I gave you one here, Revelation 1-7. It's a song. Look, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be, amen. Now, until you start looking at the Psalms or the, uh, the hymns of Revelation and you start to realize so many of the verses in the book of Revelation were sung. You don't even stop to think about what pieces of theology we've already come to agree with, believe, know, be familiar with that were sung when they were written. And this is one of them. This, this is one of those passages where <clears throat> we're looking at it and it's like, wow, this was intentionally set apart this is being declared by the angels or sung by the angels. So, moving on. Uh, there's a bunch of those. There's eight of those different ones. And then there's the hymns of judgment. So I guess four categories, not five. <clears throat> the hymns of judgment. Hymns of judgment are intense. It's so intense to me. It's like, man, wh whoever the, the marketing director of heaven was really thought this one through. Because it's like, if you've got to figure out a way to get out the most terrifying judgment things that have ever been said or spoken, let's just make them a jingle because that'll make them easier to swallow. <clears throat> let's, let's sing it instead of say it. And man, they do. But dude, they're singing the wildest stuff. The angels, like the smart ones, are going, these judgments are the greatest thing ever. Good job, God. And they're singing about the judgments of God. It is intense. These are intense. These are intense. And there's eight of them at, at my count. Revelation 16, 5 through 6 is one of them. You are just in these judgments, O Holy One. You who are and who were, for they have shed their, the blood of your holy people and your prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. So intense. So here we have the full list there, 32, as at least according to my count, Broken up into four categories. And my hope, really, even in breaking them up in those categories, even if you'll see those categories differently, was just to get you being able to track. If you go read all eight of them together, you can kind of see the theme. And you go read the, you know, the eight before it in, in the, you know, the other category, kind of see how they all connect. And I think that's helpful. So even if you wind up coming to different conclusions, that's fine. I, I just want to be able to present it to you in a way that would be helpful, at least as a starting point. Literary dynamics. All right, so these hymns are super dynamic because of their context. 
They're in heaven because of their content. They're about the end of the age. They're, they're being sung by angels. And because of their purpose, some of these hymns release stuff. Some of these hymns declare things that are going to be. I mean, these are, this is like really intense singing. Okay? And the language of the hymns of Revelation, it's thick with meaning and intended to be taken on multiple levels. I just think, again, it's kind of mean for me to just give us one session here and then next week move on and do something else. And that is what I'm doing. So I'm just letting you know. I'm giving you the forewarning. Uh, it's kind of mean, though, because there's so much layer. Like, this is, this is rich, rich. So I'm hopefully advertising for you to spend more time on this on your own. Well, the hymns of Revelation, we expect them to be songs because we're calling them hymns. But there's so much more than song. It's, it is so much more than a catchy new worship song on you know, the Christian radio station. These are rich with meaning, with ramification, with, with the heavenly choir. I mean, there's a lot going on. So let me give you some of the literary dynamics here. The first is all 32 of these take place in the courts of God. They take place in the courts of God. I think about the Psalms. The Psalms took place in the courts of David's tabernacle on the earth. And probably it was the most glorious place on the planet ever. <laughs> I mean, as far as under human rule. Like, that tabernacle was probably as close to heaven as, you, as we've gotten. It was pretty glorious. All the dynamics of it. But these actually take place in the courts of heaven. These are 32 songs sung in heaven around the throne. This is better. I mean, it, in, the, in the like, how close can we get to God? How, how close can we hear the songs sung around the throne? Like, this is, this is intense. Okay? So they take place in the courts of God. I better hurry here. We only got five minutes. They pertain to the end of the age. Remember the book of Revelation? The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants what must soon take place. The whole book of Revelation is about the end of the age. The whole book. These songs are end time songs. These songs are about events in the future. These songs are about people in the future. Circumstances. Uh, these songs are related to the end of the age and are a, a very powerful component for the church of this age to study and understand and gain insight about. I mean, these are really intense. So, they are prophecies. These hymns are, are, are prophecies because they're declaring what will be. What, what is now, but mostly what will be. And so there might be a couple of them in there that you'd have to stretch it to say they're a prophecy. But most of them, that's, that's the case. You're talking about these being prophecies declaring future reality. So now, think about that catchy worship song, which is all prophetic. It's all declaring the future. That's what we're looking at here with the hymns of Revelation. I mean, this is like multifaceted, layered awesome. Like layer of layer upon layer of awesome. Next, they are prayers. <laughs> Most of these uh, hymns, they're not just, just like neutral. They're hymns being sung to God 
either thanking God for who he is or what he's done, or it's a communication with him about, about his nature, or in some cases, it's an intercession. Like here's one, Revelation 18, 6 through 7. Give back to her as she has given. Pay her back double for what she has done. Pour a double portion from her own cup. Give her as much torment and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. What an intense song. But it's not just a song. It's a prayer. These, this is the, the saints and the angels declaring, God, we think this is what should happen to Harlot Babylon. And we're asking you to do it in what we believe to be accordance to your will. And you better believe if they're singing it around the throne, they did their uh, theological homework first. Make sure that they're not singing anything out of place. These are prayers. The hymns of Revelation are prayers. They're songs, and they're all part of the narrative. So here's an important component. We don't want to think of this as the book of Revelation, 22 chapters. There's this narrative going on, and then every now and then the angels all break into some weird, random, unrelated song. Just story, story, story. Now the musical, and it's all about something else. These songs are part of the narrative. And, I mean, really, that whole musical thing, like, that was God's idea first. You know, just think about that. Like, whoever invented the way that the musicals are done, you know, the acting, and then the singing, like, that's revelation, okay? Like, this is, this is God's plan here first. And it's part of the narrative. It's not, not part of the narrative. It's not a break of the narrative. It's now there's singing involved describing the narrative in different ways that you weren't going to get by merely telling the story. I mean, this is, God is a poet. This is powerful. The hymns of Revelation, dang. It's about the exaltation of God. I'm just going to give you three little things here and then we'll more or less break up. The hymns of Revelation are all either worshiping him, declaring aspects of who he is, giving unveiling revelatory components of who he is, or declaring his worth. All three of those are, are, are three aspects of worship, and uh, that's what page six is about there. And, that, I mean, these hymns are just rich, rich as rich can be. So what we're going to do now is we're going to break up into groups. You're joining us on Facebook Live and then also for the recording that we can get the, the questions uh, included. Hey, one or two points that I forgot to make uh, that I hope don't steal questions. Um, but uh, I, I made them in the notes, but I forgot to make them uh, when I was uh, kind of going through some stuff here. Um, one of the things that I did in the, uh, uh, the listings of all the hymns, so there were you know, four different categories, and I gave you the, the title of the hymn as well as the Bible reference. In that Bible reference, I typically would include a little bit before the hymn would actually start if it would help provide context. Uh, so a lot of times, you know, if it was, if the actual hymn was verses 11 and 12, but verse 10 told you who was singing, I would include verse 10 so that you could kind of know that going in. So, uh, so that was a, a, just a point that I, I wrote in the notes, but I forgot to make uh, during the teaching. So, okay, well, let's, uh, let's go through these questions and then I'll repeat them. So uh, Chris, why don't we start with you? So the question is, in Revelation 15, uh, 2 and 4, uh, 2 through 4, giving the, uh, the backdrop of who is it that's singing, 
part of the important detail on that is it says that they were singing the song of Moses, uh, the God's servant Moses and the song of the Lamb. Now, I'm going to answer this question a little differently than you asked it because I don't know the actual answer to the question you're asking. But I'm going to give some thoughts that might inform it a little bit. Um, the Song of Solomon is called the Song of All Songs. Okay? So it's, it's got to be the best song ever. Okay? And that song is actually about Jesus. Okay? And here we have this song of Moses that's also called the Song of the Lamb. And I just can't imagine a song being a better song than Jesus' Song of Songs, the Song of Solomon. So why am I making all this point? I think that there's actually a connection that I don't have fully traced out between the song that Moses sung in the period of the Exodus and this song here being called kind of twofold. It's being called the Song of Moses, but it's being called the Song of the Lamb. And Moses was delivering the people out of bondage and Jesus is the deliverer out of bondage. But also the Song of Solomon is the song of his affections for us, which are ultimately delivering us out of bondage. So somehow I think all those three things are connected. And I don't know. Okay, uh, I, I, but I will tell you, I've spent some time looking at that one and just going, Lord, there's, there's layers of mystery here. There's, I'll say this, if you'd spend a lot of time thinking, praying, and singing about this, you would get clarity. The Lord would give you, uh, he would unlock the treasure trove here. I, I'll, I'll say this, I think that there, um, well, two things. I think that there is a tremendous amount of yet untapped potential understanding and clarity about who God is, about who we are, about the role of the bride of Christ in the end of the age. I think there's a tremendous amount of revelation available in these hymns. First point. Second point. We're going to get it before he comes back. So somebody is going to get in a study like this where some doofus that gave this much effort introduced an idea to provoke some people to go spend a whole lot more energy, somebody's going to do that and is going to start getting some real clarity on these hymns and is then going to have something really to give us as opposed to me just introducing a big idea and going, ain't it big? Uh, there's going to be people in this generation that are going to get real clarity about these hymns and that is going to be of infinite value to the body of Christ and is going to be a rich journey gaining that understanding. So be that person. So there you go. All right, uh, go to this question over here, Andy. <laughs> okay. Seventy-five verses. Okay, that's helpful. Well, thank you for that. Look, now I know the answer. Andy took care of me. That wasn't a question though, right? But okay, okay. Hey, Andy, how many verses are there? 75. <laughs> okay. All right, good. That's, that's great. That's great. So just, just out of curiosity, did both groups wind up at Revelation 15? For, what the? 
Okay. Okay, you did Revelation 12. You did Revelation 15. Is your question about the Moe's song? Okay. Okay, great. Okay, what's your question? Yeah, good. So, uh, how do we know these are all songs and not, not songs? Uh, we don't. Um, and especially you throw me in there as the interpreter. We're in deep doo-doo. So, the, uh, the, here's what I did. I'll give you a little bit of my, my process, okay? First thing I did was I looked at the strictest definition. And I believe if I remember, it's been a minute. But I believe if I remember, it was seven. The strictest definition of, like, of all the different groups out there that were like, no, there's this many, or there's this many, this many. The strictest number was seven. And I looked at what criteria did they come up with in order to be able to identify uh, those seven. And then I started to realize what I perceived to be uh, um, far, far too narrow of a thought process because they weren't even really following their own rules. Uh, you know, it's like, it would have to meet all six criteria points to be considered a, a, a hymn, a revelation. But if it met four of the criteria points, it sure did seem like a song to me, you know? And so what I did was I just, I started to then backtrack and go, what were some of those points that were used to define if it was a hymn or not? And of course the word song or singing is the gimme, so let's not even talk about that one. But the ones that would be set apart in the text and would be, would be a worship text. I mean, it would be, uh, it would be declaring... Okay, here, here's, here's a good point. It would be declaring aspects of God in a, in a way that was very similar to a different part of the book of Revelation that was clearly identified as a hymn. But it's like, well, but just because it says saying over here, but over here it says singing, but... Over here, they're saying more or less the same thing as they're saying over here, but here they're singing it, here they're singing it. I'm like, that's a hymn. Well, as soon as I started to kind of track with that thought process and use those other interpretive keys of, you know, well, little, little intro phrases like, uh, give you one or two of them. He who has an ear, let him hear, was, was a, kind of a, a trigger phrase, uh, not always, but a trigger phrase, and that's, that would be a bit of an inaccurate. One where it's, calling attention to what's about, be, about to be said, I found many times was qualified as a hymn of revelation. And I was like, well, I'm seeing this here and it's set apart as prose written in the text differently. It's no longer just the dialogue. It's no longer just a paragraph. It's now set apart in a, in a literary intentionality, uh, you know, a, a, demarcation. It's, it's different from the way that it was written with an intro phrase. I was like, you know what? I would rather overqualify. I would rather qualify too many and backtrack as we learn than not put all of them that could potentially really be a song and wind up uh, cheating the study. And so, uh, you know, just candidly, there may well be some on this list that heaven's going to go, Brad, you silly ninny, there were only 31. I, yeah, I tried, Jesus. Um, or 16, you know, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but the way that I came up with this list was uh, uh, spending some weeks meditating on these psalms uh, or these hymns and trying to figure out what were some of the common threads. And some of it was just the way that they read. 
seemed to read the same way as this over here, and this one was clearly sung. And so I, that was just kind of part of my process. And again, I think, I think one of the best things you could do for your spiritual life out of this study is challenge me and say, nuh-uh, and then go on a journey of why do you believe nuh-uh? And go read these verses and meditate on them and try to come up with your own list and, and do a better job categorizing them for the next guy, you know? Um, but my intention was just to get us uh, kind of a head start here. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources or to schedule another TPR teacher to come speak at your church or event, please see our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Thank you.